K-Hen is supported in part by Little Red Hen Bakery, located at 302 G Street in downtown Salida. Little Red Hen specializes in hometown fresh-baked bread, bagels, and treats, all made with organic and local ingredients. A full menu, including the wood-fired oven schedule and daily specials, can be found on their Facebook page at Little Red Hen Salida. K-Hen and Little Red Hen, just two hometown chickens working to keep Salida, Salida. Cahen is sponsored in part by Soulcraft Brewing, Salida's hometown brewery, offering a large selection of traditional and seasonal craft beers. Their spacious patio features cozy fire pit tables for outdoor warmth on chilly days. Fresh food is served daily at the Soul Shack food truck, featuring snacks like wings and pretzels, and full meals like sandwiches, burgers, and a delicious brunch on Sunday. Soulcraft is open daily for happy hour, lunch, and dinner. Welcome, friends, to another edition of On the Rails here at 106.9 FM, or you could be listening on iTunes or um, anytime on the podcast. Just go to KHEN and go to the podcast and listen to four years now of four years of On the Rails shows. And um, so relax, put your feet up, come back and sit in the old caboose as we Ramble down the, ramble down the tracks, and uh, this this caboose and this whole train is being run by Rick White, our our engineer. He's he's up in the front, keeping us going along here. Every once in a while, we hear from Rick. We hear a little toot or something like that, so we we know he's up there. Yeah, uh, thank you for that, Forrest. And it looks like clear sailing today. The winds have died down a little bit, and. Uh, Juanita was supposed to join me, but she wasn't able to make it in time from when we left the uh, station. And, uh, you know, the train must roll. Well, the train must roll and we we will miss Juanita uh, on this segment. But who we will have on this segment is James Subi, the president of Colorado, Colorado Rail Passengers Association and um, chair for a long time of the of the rail board, which is now transitioning. And we have three or four listener questions about that. So we'll try to get to those. And, um, but anyway, so it, it's really exciting to have him here. So welcome, Jim. Thank you, Forrest. I'm delighted to be here the day after train day. <laughs> as you know, celebrates the, uh, Pounding of the Golden Spike in Promontory, Utah, on May tenth, eighteen sixty-nine. Wow! Wow! That was the spike that put the rails down that connected the Transcontinental Railroad from east nice. to west. And Forrest yeah. was just a wee child at that time. I was. I was young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was young at that time. Well, my gosh! Now you know historians debate where the actual linkage was. Some people claim the actual golden spike was founded in Colorado, somewhere uh, east of Denver, because that's when they finally linked east and west by rail without having 
without having to get on any uh, marine device to cross the Mississippi River. So, you know, historians will debate anything, but that's interesting. They were sure. saying that's, yeah. Well, I can and, tell you what, having been to Promontory, Utah, they, there are no tracks up there anymore except for the celebratory <laughs> tracks for the two steam engines the National Park Service runs to celebrate, you know, reenact oh. train day. That's pretty exciting. Uh, were, were you up there this year? No, no, I was up there a few years ago hiking with my son. It was, a, it was an interesting trip. Uh, and the other than where all the trestles are washed out and you have to climb up and down canyons to get from one part of the right away to the other, it's a wonderful hike. Mm. I'll be darned. You know, uh, when you get, uh, you're out there in the middle of nowhere and suddenly you come up to a uh, security fence in the middle of nowhere with barbed wire and all this kind of stuff. And suddenly a uh, white uh, SUV shows up with armed guards and all this kind armed of guards. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Wow. And so, so then my son and I went up to a rise. So that was kind of surprising. They didn't say a word to us. And of course we didn't try to climb over the fence and we looked out from the top of that rise and here was this huge, it looked like a space station on Mars, this huge white industrial complex. And it turns out it was that time at the Morton Thiokol rocket engine plant mm. where they make all oh. those so solid fueled rockets that are used both for the civilian and military space travel. At least they were at that time. I haven't checked lately. So it's really fascinating. Apparently that uh, making those engines is extremely dangerous. They're very safe once the fuel solidifies and it's in the actual rocket. But apparently, I'm no expert, but apparently when you're making the rocket, you could have a catastrophic explosion, I suppose. So this plant is way out uh, near Promontory, Utah. Utah is famous for welcoming that sort of thing. Well, you know, we were surprised to see it. We had no idea it was out there. It was, you know, but the main reason we were out there was, of course, to see the right of way for the old transcontinental. Sure. And is there a lot of right of way to, to be seen out there, Jim? Well, we are only on, uh, we only hiked a few miles. I can't okay. say, you know, but, uh, sure. but where we were, yeah, they had, I mean, there were many more, we hiked about three or four miles in and out back out again. And there probably was at least another 10 or 12 miles uh, ahead of us and behind us. So, boy, yeah, you know, and it's not that far from Salt Lake city and, you can get up there pretty easily. So it's a, it's a great day. And they do do a very nice celebration. They have these restored steam engines that are beautiful. They keep there and they run them and they have, they reenact those fellows shaking hands from one engine to the other. There's no champagne that I could see, but. Uh, no champagne. <laughs> apparently well, oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. Well, our engineer here, Rick White, uh, says when he's entertaining that he, he hands out champagne like that. So we're going to have to have a, a, a true train day celebration here one day and have champagne and, and a reenactment, something like that. Oh, I'll come. Of, you'll come. See there? See, we've got one coming. In. And but, but before they slip away, a couple of these listener questions. One, um, here, uh, I see that the, the chief is no longer a part of the rail board. What does that mean? Is there a separate board now just for the chief? And um, I don't know how, 
how are the boards going to be structured now? Uh, our, the legislation includes the Southwest Chief in a, and the proposed reroute through Pueblo. Okay. That's, that's written into the legislation. So that, of course, is a, uh, one of the objectives of the new board of directors. Yeah. You know, the principal issue is to get the front range rail uh, designed and built, but linking to these Amtrak trains, both the California Zephyr in Denver and, of course, the uh, Southwest Chief in southeastern Colorado is still a part <clears throat> uh, one of our goals. And, you know, interestingly enough, uh, geez, what was it, two weeks ago, I think, uh, there was a fire in uh, southeastern Colorado that uh, weakened a trestle on the current route of the Southwest Chief. So they actually routed the train from LA to Chicago up through Pueblo from Trinidad. Yeah. And of course we were thrilled to see that it took a long time. That's that would have to be, you know, restored and made much uh, faster for passenger rail, but nevertheless, it was great that they were able to drive that train up through the Pueblo and then down to La Junta on the route that we would like to see it permanently uh, established. Yeah. Nice. I mean, too too bad about the fire, but um, that that and so I am kind of, I am happy to hear that it still goes through um, Trinidad, but then north to Pueblo and then on to La Junta. Well, that's the proposal we have made, and uh-huh. it, we made that proposal a long time ago. The legislature put that proposal into the legislation creating the new district board so it's that board's going to be dealing with the southwest chief and we have a study underway right now to look at the feasibility of running the train as a what's known as a through car service from la junta up to pueblo and then possibly up to colorado springs and we're checking out how feasible is that to take a couple of cars off of the southwest chief you know, put an engine on it in La Junta, run it up to the springs through Pueblo, turn it and run it back and have some kind of a daily service or, you know, every other day or whatever it might become. And that was, that's kind of the first step toward uh, rerouting that train, if we could get that to happen. The interest, the issues that arose, we made that proposal quite a while ago, back in 2014, as I recall. And uh, we were thrilled about it. Pueblo was thrilled. Walsenburg was thrilled. You know, the people in Colorado Springs were thrilled because it would bring passenger rail that much closer to uh, the springs, only 40 miles away. But then the uh, but then the Federal Railroad Administration established a new safety requirement for most rail services, and that's called positive train control. And this this. Uh, provides uh, automatic stopping for engines if for some reason the engineer was incapacitated. It makes sure that all signals are obeyed. You know, it's an electronic system that can run the train. Uh, You don't want to replace the engineer per se, because that human, you know, intuition and everything else is so important. But this positive train control can prevent accidents if if the train overspeeds or whatever. It senses that kind of stuff. Anyway, in order to have positive train control, you have to install signaling devices on these routes. And that increased the potential cost. If we were to run passenger trains up from Ohanta, it increased the potential cost for that service. So we've had to kind of be very careful about that. Uh, If it's too expensive that it doesn't become economically feasible, 
you know, that would, that would set us back. But anyway, we are looking at that question and it would be a great first step toward front range pasture rail. And so, uh, Jim, you said that the, um, uh, the legislation's been passed and there's money there. What, what kind of uh, seed money or what has been approved? In yeah, this was, a, this, was, this was an appropriations bill, an independent appropriations bill. It wasn't part of the long budget bill or anything else, you know, the normal funding. And it was proposed uh, for two reasons. One, to replenish money for front range rail activities. And then also to provide money to CDOT, the Colorado Department of Transportation, to uh, modernize and develop what is known as the Burnham Yards. The Burnham Yards in Denver are the old Rio Grande Railroad uh, engine and passenger and freight car shops. And it's a large expanse. I can't remember the acreage, but it's right near downtown uh, Denver. And it also through the Burnham Yard uh, acreage run both RTDs, uh, light rail systems, and the consolidated mainline, the Union Pacific and uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, uh, BNSF, I should say, uh, uh, freight tracks, which, of course, we view as the right-of-way that we would use for passenger rail as well. So we needed to see Burnham Yard modernized. We wanted to have that right-of-way expanded a bit. CDOT's in a position to do that now. They have the funding. The city of Denver is going to put in quite a bit of money for the economic development, you know, possibilities for that property. But we, of course, on the rail commission and now on the new rail board are most concerned about preserving that right-of-way and making it more hospitable for front-range rail so that we can run uninterrupted front range rail from Fort Collins all the way to Pueblo and eventually from Wyoming all the way to New Mexico. Now, also within that uh, appropriation measure was $1.9 million for the new rail district. And that money would be used. We are an independent state agency. Uh, we, will be, we will cooperate closely with uh, the Department of Transportation and you know, federal agencies, but we're independent. So we will have our own staff and they will be devoted entirely to front range rail and rerouting the Southwest chief. So that money is provided as uh, funding for those purposes for the new rail district. Well, that was a perfect question because it, it, opened, it opened all of this uh, for us to see. That is so exciting. When you think about the possibilities here that, that finally you'd be able to um, you know, get on one of these feeder buses that the RTD is busily making uh, out to all the little towns around Pueblo. So you could hop on a feeder bus, go down to Pueblo, get on the, get on the, the chief. Well, before long, you get on the chief sure. and uh, head, head for Chicago or head for, uh, I don't know, wherever you want to go on the West Coast, really. That's right. Yeah. Well, all that has yet to be worked out for us, but it's a, it's a great idea and a great first step. Uh, we'll see what, you know, first we have to finish this study and find, is this something we really want to pay for and do? Uh, you know, and will it really, once we understand what the operating characteristics of such a train might be, will it actually support front range rail and deliver 
you know, uh, additional passengers and all the rest. So it remains to be seen, uh, but we're pleased to be looking at it, you know, to, we're yeah. taking it from a concept to actually a proposition that's been studied. And with this uh, reroute, because of the burned down trestle or, or damaged trestle, whatever, um, is there a passenger stop in Pueblo? Well, Pueblo, like Colorado Springs, are doing station area studies right now. Uh-huh. And they are uh, considering not only uh, bus services, uh, which would be the primary kind of station they would build, you know, a new kind of bus facility. Uh -huh. They've both said we need to also make sure this new facility serves passenger rail. So they're incorporating uh, provisions to serve passenger rail into their plans, which is very important. And uh, so both, I think both cities, I don't think either one of them has completed this, their planning exercise, but both cities are thinking not only about bus services, but also passenger rail service. Did I answer your no. question? I'm not so sure I did, quite frankly. Well, no, no, that's okay. That, that leads us into this because... This is uh, an, an area, really, and it's it's sort of sort of a wonderland. And uh, I'm just so pleased to see that uh, we had a gentleman on the show here not long ago who's very involved with developing local local bus services all around uh, our our remote part of data. And we are, for purposes, we're remote. We we don't think we're remote. Rick, he's not remote, but. But uh, we think we're the center, but uh, they think we're remote. And uh, the, the one, one, one thing they really plan to do is to unite all these services to center someplace around Pueblo. So that when you get to Pueblo, you're, you're on your way, which is pretty exciting. Well, there are other rights of way into Pueblo. The old Missouri Pacific, what's known as the Towner Line, runs from Pueblo all the way into Kansas. The Tennessee Pass line runs up over, you know, the Union Pacific's route, former Rio Grande right up over the Rocky Mountains in the Grand Junction and, you know, up to dot zero and into Grand Junction. So, yeah, Pueblo has always been a major rail center and it, you know, it's on the front range and it's like Denver. It fits in perfectly, just like the Springs. So uh, these yeah. communities have, uh, and, and, you know, the, the Rocky Mountains, the front range kind of makes uh, it's kind of like a peninsula, you know, you, because of the mountains, there are a few ways to get through the Rocky mountains. Most transportation runs North and South. I 25 is the, of course, the principal artery for that, but it's so congested. Now that's the main reason we're considering passenger rail is to provide additional ways for people to move North and South between all these front range communities, both for, for business and for pleasure. And apparently the legislature is um, generally in favor of that approach. Um, the, and it seems pretty bipartisan, which in today's environment, anything bipartisan is pretty amazing. And uh, that support seems to be, well, you've been down there testifying. Uh, I'm sure you saw some of that firsthand or. Yeah, well, you know, the great example of it, of course, is the bipartisan infrastructure legislature that Congress passed. 
Yeah. Lots of money. So yeah, infrastructure is one of those areas uh, where bipartisan support can both be imagined. It's necessary. And by the way, it's underserved. You know, we haven't raised gas taxes, not that I'm proposing that today, but since what, 1992? You know, and so then we're worried about, well, we don't have the space anymore to expand our highways, but we're also very short on money to expand our highways. And that's because we've just haven't provided for infrastructure, you know, and, and we get tremendous business support uh, for infrastructure legislation and funding. We have business support for our rail system here in Colorado because of all the economic benefits and social benefits it brings to the citizens. So it's a, it's, it's definitely a, the kind of issue that you can uh, engender by uh, bipartisan support for. Well, and, and support coming from the, uh environmental community because you know they feel too that if if we're ever going to try to deal with the air pollution that hangs over us all even even down here once in a while uh there it is and getting getting more people moved for the buck is means some some kind of um some kind of joint passenger service. Absolutely. Yeah, air quality is another big reason for this. I, as I recall, uh, uh, per passenger mile, a train is 10 times uh, more environmentally beneficial than motor vehicles. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a significant uh, uh, improvement to air quality once you get, you know, passenger services established. So, yeah, it has environmental, but we had some technology experts at our color rail meeting this Saturday, this past Saturday, May 7th. We had uh, a fellow from a major engineering firm and a and the senior engineering director from the American Public Transportation Association both presented at our meeting about emerging new rail technologies. And they all provide tremendous environmental benefits. So it's not just you know, moving trains, it's also moving them with considerably less pollution. Uh, one idea is to have hydrogen-fueled trains. Uh, essentially, hydrogen, you take hydrogen out of the air, uh, you can uh, condense it, turn it into a liquid or a you know, condensed gas fuel. It powers your train and charges your batteries. And when it's been consumed, its only emission is water, H2O. So that's one example. And then you have battery powered trains where you could use solar energy to charge batteries and you could run your locomotives. They're really in, you know, some of my members went over to Germany last year to see uh, some of the first versions of these hydrogen fuel cell locomotives. And uh, the Union Pacific is testing battery operated locomotives to move freight trains in California. Now they use also a diesel electric engine as well, but they, you know, if if you add battery power, you cut the diesel emissions by however much battery power you use, and you're cutting emissions then. Even the new diesel locomotives are four or five times more efficient than the ones we used to see when we were growing up. So these environmental considerations are extremely important uh, for a lot of reasons, but you know, technology is one of them. And that's so exciting because. There are some uh, doomsayers saying that unless we get a hold of this, the particularly air pollution, but other types too, 
that it's, it's going to, only going to get worse and worse. And um, that you could get to the point where some of our current cities are uninhabitable. You just won't be able to live there anymore. Which, oh, my goodness. I mean, some of them just due to, you know, to melting ice, climate change and everything else are going to be underwater. Yeah. You know, speaking about not living there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Think, I'm, I'm not just thinking about Holland and the Netherlands and everything else. I'm thinking about New Orleans. <laughs> you know? Wow. You know, uh, Which is, Katrina was a wake up call for all that kind of stuff. That huge 2005 storm uh, yeah. along the coast. So, yeah. I mean, and then, of course, water in the West has always been one of our biggest environmental issues, you know, for the last, since we settled in the West, but now it's becoming even more acutely a, a yeah. issue. So uh, whenever you can deal with uh, less environmental impacts, uh, you're better off. And that's what rail brings. The other thing about rail is we're on an existing right of way. If we use the freight right of way, which is, about the only way to do it for a good part of the trip. There are some areas that have to, you know, where we have some options to use different routes, but for the most part, you would be in the existing right of way, which means that the environmental issues and all that are, are tremendously reduced just due to the railroads complying with current regulatory uh, issues. So there are a lot of advantages to, to rail in Colorado and uh, passenger rail in Colorado, and, and some of them are environmental. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, well, and speaking of train day, I think people um, may not know, but our local passenger rail group knows about the options that are there right now. Trinidad, we had the mayor of Trinidad on his show not that long ago, and he pointed out that there are a lot of people getting on Am the existing Amtrak service out of Trinidad, and uh, the next... Uh, our next rail passenger group uh, trip starts out in Trinidad. And I think uh, the engineer for this very show, if he's got his earphones on there, knows. Are you going on that trip, Rick? I haven't decided yet. That's the uh, Dodge City, Kansas trip. Dodge City, Kansas. Yeah. Uh, museums there sound interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, they're big, they were big advocates when we saved the Southwest Chiefs starting in 2010 through, quite frankly, that battle lasted for 10 years. We didn't get it all resolved till Congress finally fixed it, hopefully forever, here in 2020, 2018, 19. But yeah, Dodge City is a great place. They have casinos there. They were big advocates for saving the Southwest Chief. Yeah. And uh Hey, Forrest, we're, it's about time for us to wind up this first half. This is going oh, gosh. very good. And thank well, we've got you so many questions. We, 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 we're going to have to add it. Next. All right. I, what do you put your, you put your hand up. Is that it? And you go like this. And now we know that we have to wind it up. Is that, that the signal? Maybe we'll get that, these hand signals down. Let's, let's go refill our coffee cups. Okay. Let's make sure. Jim Suby is on board with that. Is he on board with refilling his coffee cup? Oh, yeah, by all means. It's not that you put me to sleep for us. You're dynamic no, and entertaining. It's that I haven't had a second <laughs> cup of coffee yet. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're, we're wrapping up this segment of On the Rails. And uh, let's give a highball, pull out of the yard here. 
Yeah, sound of three. One, two, three. Highball. 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 Pull it out. Cahan is supported in part by Hilltop Broadband. Hilltop Broadband for residential and business wireless internet service. Servicing Salida and Poncha Springs in Chaffee County, as well as areas in Fremont County, Custer County, and more. To experience the Hilltop difference and request new customer information, email info at hilltop-broadband.com or call toll-free 877-783-2889.